Oh, wow. Thanks very much. It's fantastic to see you here tonight. I am so glad that people have come out tonight to hear what uh, the heartbeat of our church is for now. So um, just to fill you in, uh, I've been occupied a lot lately with uh, Tumby Bay. As many of you know, uh, Pastor Malcolm died suddenly, and so that left uh, a, a gap there. But uh, we're helping that church, and, uh, and I really want to honour the leaders in our church because we, we've got the month of uh, December to look after that church. And uh, Pauline just, you know, I'm like, oh, how are we going to do it? I'm, uh, I'm half empty, like person. And, uh, you know, Pauline and I went up to meet the leaders. She just pulls it all together and says, yeah, we do this. And then she says, you know, I'll ring this leader, that leader. And, and we're, I'm thinking, oh, we have to spread it over the whole state to help them. And uh, Pauline just says, no, yeah, we get Michael here. We'll get, we'll get Kylie and Kimberly and Andy Mubler can help. And, and we just put it all together and, and th- you know, that's, but that's the strength of a team that, that works really good. So we, you've got to honour the team you have in the church and get behind the leaders in this church. You get behind Pastor Michael and Pastor Pauline and Pastor Kylie. The other thing, that, the amazing thing is in the last seven years since we've been here, we've seen lots of ministries come up and be recognised officially by the ACC. And I think that's, that's incredible. I don't want to be a stingy pastor with our people. When I, when I was an assistant pastor and an associate pastor, the, the culture in those days was, well, we've got, we've got your credential papers in the drawer. Yeah, we got, they're in the drawer. You be a good boy, we might fill them out for you. And they never filled them out. <laughs> I was never a good enough boy. But, we, but I don't want to be like that. I want, I want to be a church that is releasing people because it's not just what, it's not what we release people to here because it starts a pathway in, in people's lives, in your life, that, that we don't know where God's going to take people. And, and if we don't prepare people, I, I love the saying, that says, if you, if you train people and they leave, you know, that, that's sad. But if you don't train people and they stay, well, that's even worse. So I want to train people. If they stay, fantastic. If they go, it's even better. So, so we want to be a church that trains people. That's why Bible college is so important. I want to thank uh, the Bible college students and Pastor Kylie this year for all the One Heart Nights that they've set up. They've, they've done all the, the welcoming, the catering uh, on, on our heartbeat nights, I keep saying one heart nights, the, the heartbeat nights, and uh, so they've done a great job, let's give the Bible College students a hand for all their help. <clears throat> so um, what else have I got, I'm just going to get straight into the preaching today, so hopefully we can be pretty good. Um, I want to preach to preachers tonight, and, and you might think, oh that doesn't relate to me, but if you take on board some of the things I talk about tonight, you just never know what opportunities might come to you. So, um, preacher, preaching to the preachers. Did you like that, that, that font? Yeah. I, I thought that was really cool. You could put that on a, on a toaster and it'd look really sweet. Okay, so the, the preacher's role is to explain the Scriptures to people can you put that up for me? Preacher's role is to explain the scriptures so people can live it. So that, that's the role of the preacher is to preach the Bible so people can live it, so they can apply it, so they can live with it. So tonight, I won't be teaching about how to preach. So it's not about how to have a nice three-point sermon, because I can't even do them anyway, or how, how to interpret the Hebrew and the Greek. We're not going to do all that. How to 
get the correct exegesis and the hermeneutical excellence into the scriptures. I'm not going to do all that, although I couldn't anyway. But, but I want to talk about what it is to be a preacher. And in a sense, it's also what it is to be a believer. It's the same thing. And what the, environment, the environmental factors that we need to have to create the preachers. So don't think, oh, well, I'll never be a preacher holding a microphone because, you know, I know I've lived that for more of my life than what I have been a preacher. And God will use you to be a preacher in your school, where you work, in your family. It's not when the one day when God says, here, grab this microphone, because that is a result of the preaching that you do when nobody sees. We're going to look at all that tonight. So um, why preach? Nehemiah 8 verses 1 to 12, one of my favourite books of the Bible is Nehemiah. But, and one of my favourite parts of that book is Nehemiah 8 verse 1 to 12 because it's an amazing description of the power of the preach word. So I want to just read it through real quickly to you. And I have doctored it a little bit. I've, I've deleted a few little bits and it was sort of like, oh no, you know, should I do this? But I did. So it was just to make it quicker to read through. So... Nehemiah 8 verse 1 to 12 says this, all the people assembled with a unified purpose and I've just underlined a few things for my own reference here and that is, you know, there's just, this scripture is just like bursting with life to me. It's, it's just amazing. So when it says all the people assembled with a unified purpose, I just want to stop there and say when you come together, when you assemble here at church on a heartbeat night, Sunday morning service, um, Bible college, when you come with a unified purpose, that's the seedbed for the Holy Ghost to start to do something amazing. So um, anyway, we'll move on. At the square, just inside the water gate, they asked Ezra the scribe to bring out the book of the law of Moses. Now this is, the people are saying, get the book out, get the book out, bring the Bible. And, and we've got to come with an expect unified, come to church saying, I'm not going to come with a bad attitude today. I'm not going to come to complain today. I'm not going to come to see who's not going to say hello to me. I'm going to come saying, bring the book. I don't know if we're going to get through anything tonight. So they, 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 they met at the unified purpose at the square, just inside the water gate. They asked Ezra the scribe to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given for Israel to obey. I underline that bit too. Because God has given us the Bible through the Holy Spirit to, to people to record and write down because He wants us to live it. He wants us to obey it. And it's not just a thing of theory. It's not just a thing of, well, it's just nice ideas and, and Jesus was a good man. It's a life-changing power source. And the problem with most people, most Christians, is they're leaving the Bible somewhere in the car. Sometimes, sometimes people leave their Bibles in church and they, it's here for months. It'd be like you cut my leg off if you did that. If I leave my Bible somewhere, I'm like, I'm lost. And I can't even get a different one. I think I'll just start with that because I'm like, where's my Bible? Where's that? Because I, I have a love for, for God's Word. I've worn out so many Bibles I can't keep up. <clears throat> anyway. So on October the 8th, Ezra the priest brought the book of the law before the assembly, which included, here's another one underlined, the men and the women and all the children old enough to understand. So we, there's, uh, there's everything in that. Well, I'm not going to go down. I'm getting too distracted. 
He faced the square just inside the water gate from early morning until noon and read early morning until noon. He's like, he's preaching it. He's, he's given Paul the pre, he's teaching Paul how to preach long pre, preaching. So he, he faced the square uh, from early morning until noon and he read aloud to everyone who could understand all the people listened closely to the book of the law. All the, the, you know, it's just too much stuff. The people listen closely to the book of the law. They're saying, we, we want to know. We want to understand this stuff. So we've got we've to move into be those, those kind of people who, who don't get up late on Sunday morning and drag our sorry backside into church. Sunday morning's the day you get up early and you start saying, God, I need you to speak to me. God, I want to I be in ministry today. God, you've got you to use me to see the signs and the wonders start to fall down in the church. You know, there's so many churches around where there's no signs and there's no wonder because people aren't, aren't they're not pursuing after God with a hunger. So where did we get up to? All the people listen closely to the book of the law. Verse 4 says, Ezra the scribe stood on a high wooden platform. That's why we, that's why we have this thing built. You know, because some people say, oh, you know, we like preachers. You get down in us. You know, it's not about, you know, promoting the preachers. It's about so everyone can see you. In an environment like this, you can all see me because there's not as many people here. But when the place is full, it's better to stand where everybody can see you. It's just called practicalities. It's got, you know, some people say to me, oh, they go, oh, do you mind if I step down here to preach? I say, no, you stand up there. Because if you're a midget like me, no one will see me at the back. It says he stood on a high wooden platform that had been made for the occasion. Ezra stood on the platform and underlined, it says, in full view. So it's all about so people can see you. That's why we, we want to create an environment where, where we, we draw attention to this area here. So that people are, are giving attention to the word of God that's being preached. That's why our lights and all that kind of stuff that we do, people think, oh, what do we do that for? It's to say we're drawing all our attentions to this, this point here. So if you, get, if you get that, you'll start to understand the reason, the why behind what we do. So, so what else happened? In full view of all the people, when they saw him open the book, they all rose to their feet. There's a reverence to, they're, they're just like standing in awe. I think they all stood and just stood there. Everyone just said, quiet, something's going to happen. So they stood to their feet in expectation. They read, uh, I've, I've deleted a couple of verses now, go to verse 8. They read from the book of the law of God and clearly explained the meaning of what was being read, helping the people understand each passage. Verse 9 says, Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who were interpreting for the people. They're teaching the people. They're, they're explaining the verses. They're explaining the meaning. And they said to them, Don't mourn or weep on such a day as this. For today is a sacred day before the Lord your God. For the people had all been weeping as they listened to the word of the Lord. There's something powerful in that. Is, is, you know, I, don't, I don't care much you know, whether we see... You know, um, uh, you know, whether the lights are perfect or not, or whether the, 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 the videos work Sunday. But what I do desire is to see people have an encounter with God and they start to say, God, I'm, I'm aware of my, myself. I'm aware of, of my life. I'm aware of the, of the things that I need to deal with. That's what we should be desiring to see above all things so that people come and have a true life-changing moment every single Sunday. 
There's no reason why we can't experience that. And Nehemiah continued, go and celebrate with a feast of rich food and sweet drinks. In some versions it says beer. But not, not in the New Living, it's, it's more anointed than that. And, and that was for the assemblies of God people. And share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. This is a sacred day before our Lord. Don't be dejected and sad for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Verse 11 says, And the Levites too quieted the people, telling them, Hush, don't weep, for this is a sacred day. So the people went away to eat and drink at a festive meal, to share gifts of food, and to celebrate with great joy. This is the last underlying bit. Because they had heard God's word and understood them. We don't understand the power that is in the word. There's no such thing as a service. You think, well, well you know, well, I, I'm just, I'm just going to cruise through Sunday. You're going to say, God, I want to, I want to celebrate because I understand the word of God. And that, that's what happened to the whole nation there is, is a transfer of revelation, of power came into the nation of Israel who'd been, who'd been um, you know, just called to God for generations. They'd forgot God. For generations, they'd been exiled from God. Now they're starting to say, well, you know, we, we've got a revival spirit coming upon the nation. So the preaching of God's law on this occasion changed everybody's heart. They went from crying to great joy. And that's what the Word of God does in our life. We can come with sadness. We can come with, with a burden. And, and the Holy Spirit comes and touches us through His Word. And it can change everything. can change our attitude and the atmosphere around us. So let's not miss the point here today that people have to be able to understand the preaching. So... Uh, if the preacher is too mysterious, too mystical, too spiritual, or uses words that aren't in common use, it's unlikely to reach the audience. And, you know, I know the, the, the kind of preaching that we need to hear is pe preaching that is real and relevant and uh, speaks into people's hearts out there now. <clears throat> so some practicals for, for, the, for those of you who, who may be asked to preach here or elsewhere. These, these are just... This is not preaching now. This is just a little bit of stuff. So practicals. Know your boundaries. When you preach at one heart, if you give the opportunity to preach at one heart at any of our services, um, you'll have a time limit given to you. You'll have a time that, that's, you know, say if it's Sunday morning, we, we'd probably say we'd give you about 45 minutes. So you need to know the boundary there and stick to that. Um, if you're sharing communion. You have about five to eight minutes. Keep it focused on the cross. Uh, Jesus' sacrifice. Uh, be clear when you want people to eat and drink. These are things that are just important because that's what you're there for. So you, you might want to come and give a testimony when you get doing communion about how you couldn't defrost your fridge and, and you prayed to God and then suddenly all the ice just fell out and, and all these kinds of things. If you can bring that back to the cross, fantastic. <laughs> but don't forget that's what it's there for. So you just got to remember that the whole focus of communion, you're here, you're presenting to the church, you're going to explain clearly to the people what we're, what we're partaking in right now. So, you know, it doesn't matter what story you bring, as long as you bring it back to that, to that focus point. Um, when you're asked to preach in another place, in another church or, or a youth camp or somewhere else, 
Ask the people what they're looking for. Ask them, how long do I have for each, for each thing? And stick to that. One of the greatest things I ever saw was when, when Brian Houston, who's the Hillsong um, pioneer, when he used to come to Planet Shakers and preach in, in Adelaide, little old Planet Shakers, a, a, a youth conference it was in those days, and Brian Houston would come to preach, and, and he, would, he would be looking at the clock. And I'm thinking, here's Russell Evans. He was a youth pastor in those days of, 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 a, of a youth group, and he's inviting the, the then national president of the ACC, um, the, the head pastor of Hillsong, which was a global church, and he's coming to preach at this youth conference, and he's saying, I'm watching the clock. Because in that instance, he's sitting in someone else's pulpit and he's respecting that. And if you can learn to respect that, even if you have greater authority to, from the person who you're preaching for, if you submit to that because that's their platform, God will honor you. So you need to understand some of these things. Uh, another thing is speak positives, not negatives. I had to learn that the hard way because I, I can, my natural thing is to want to wanna whack people, want to lead by punishment. It's not really a great way. But speak positives, not negatives. Do these and you'll be invited back. And that's the, 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 the greatest, um, I, I guess, endorsement is that if you've been there once and they ask you back, then that's, that's pretty good. The other thing is they might say, well, they were really good and we might ask someone else from that, from that church to come because of the good experience we had with that other person. So I want to give you some qualifications of a preacher and, and if you think, well, that doesn't relate to me because I'll never be a preacher, no, that you can just transfer that to qualifications of a believer. They're exactly the same. But we, we need to realize that. It's not about, about you know, uh, uh, a tier of, of people. God doesn't even have that. But it's about the qualifications of a preacher or believer. So Proverbs 26 verse 10 says, An employer who hires a fool or a bystander, is like an archer who shoots at random. Well, what's that got to do with preaching? See, it's very rare that a random arrow hits a target. It's very rare. Well, if you just got a gun and just closed your eyes and fired, that you're going to hit exactly what you thought you could hit. So if you get a bow and arrow and you... And we're going to look at bow and arrows a bit later, but if you just shoot an arrow randomly into the air, it's very rare that it's going to hit anything that, that you wanted to hit. So, in selecting our preachers, it ought never be a, a, a journey of just picking a handy bystander. Who just happens to be around the place? Who's just there? We'll just ask them because they're always there. Or, or if we just, or we just, Choose a fool. You think, how do you, how do you tell if someone's a fool? You'll soon tell by the way they talk. You can soon tell by the way they invest their money or how they waste stuff or how they, how they, they have an attitude about life where, where nothing's very valuable. That's a fool. You can give a fool an inheritance and they'll waste it. So we've got, we got to look at things like that. Another amazing thing that I've heard said a lot is, is what you promote is what you produce. And so we want to, we want to try our best to, to promote people onto the platform who we want to see reproduced in our church. So when we see someone who's got a good heart, when we see someone who shows kindness, when we see someone who shows love, who shows wisdom, then we say we want to reproduce that, we'll get them on the platform. So, so you can understand 
the principles we're, we're dealing with. James chapter 3, verse 1, and this should shut down most of us. This even scares me. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Now that, for a lot of people, will go, that's it. I'm out. I'm not playing. Where it says judge more strictly, we've got to relate that back to Luke 12, verse 47 and 48. And basically what Jesus is, is explaining in Luke chapter 12 is the more you know, the more God expects from you. And if you're going to stand up and be a preacher or a teacher, then, then in God's way, he wants you to have, to have lived that. When I was learning about preaching and doing, doing some Bible study about that, the, 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 this book I read said, don't preach beyond where you've been yourself. So you can't go preaching about victory in, in anger if you, if you haven't controlled that in your life. You can't go preaching about, about um, other areas where you haven't had victory yet because you won't have authority to speak about that. I mean, you, you know, you, you've got to have, a, have, a, have a, a victory of your own so that you can speak with authority in those areas. So <clears throat> I'll give you an illustration to, to explain that. The first time I ever came to South Australia, I drove into Adelaide and I noticed a police car was behind me. And I started to get nervous. And I said to my passengers, I think the police are following us. And, and they, they think, yeah, it seems like they are. So I had a plan. And I said, well, I'm going to do a U-turn. And, and then when I do a U-turn, I'll know whether they're following me or not because they'll just keep driving. And so I did a U-turn at the traffic lights in the middle of Adelaide. And the police car followed me. And I said to my passengers, they're following us. And they turned on their lights and pulled me over. And they said, you just did a U-turn at traffic lights. But where I came from, I said, like, that's so? I said, you can't do a U-turn at traffic lights. But I didn't know. So I didn't have an understanding of the local law. So the less I knew, the better on that occasion. They saw my license. It was from interstate. I was driving a, a South Australian car, so they thought I was local, but I wasn't. But so I said, oh, I didn't know. They took, looked on my license. They said, oh, the police looked at each other and they shook their heads and, and they let me go. But I, I need to, to do a warning. In actual fact, in Australia, ignorance of the law is no excuse. So you can't say, but the pastor preached his thing and the police let him off because he said he didn't know. But I don't expect preachers uh, to be perfect people. But we ought to have for the preachers, an established level of maturity and discipleship in our faith in some basic areas. So you, you, you need to realize that you've, you've got to have some things under control in your life and then God will promote you to speak before people. I'm not saying it's perfection. I'm not saying that we're going to be excellent people. But it means that we've, we've got some basic levels that God has challenged us with that we've said, yes, God, I'll deal with that. Yes, God, I'll... I'll I'll work on those things. And when God sees you doing that, then God will promote you. So it's not talking about um, expecting our preachers to be perfect in every way, but having and displaying a level of maturity that they have, they have conquered and, um, I guess, overcome 
certain areas of, of uh, issue in their life. 2 Timothy 2 verse 2 says, You've heard me teach these things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. So there's a whole lot of stuff here. First point, number A. This is Paul speaking to Timothy. He says, you heard it from me. So Paul's giving some instructions to Timothy about the ministry. First thing you need to see there is be a student who hears the teacher. Be a student who hears the teacher. We can relate that directly to Jesus Christ and how he wants to minister to us. And it's also attaching ourselves to people in our lives, our pastors, our leaders, uh, other people in our life who who have a level of authority and saying, I'm going to learn what I can off that person and I'm going to serve them. B, Paul says, confirmed by other witnesses or by other teachers. That's... uh, talks to me about being connected to others in ministry we can't do it all by ourselves and it goes against the idea of uh, isolation it's not in isolation that you grow very far you got to be connected to others in ministry to to grow to your fullest Uh, number c he says teach these truths to other trustworthy people now church is built by faithful people you need to understand that church is always built by faithfulness by um, trustworthiness, if you like. I always use the word faithful, but trustworthy is the same thing. So promotion according to popularity or talent is a fault that undermines the church. So you might think, well, why don't they, why don't they appoint that person? Everybody loves them. They're Mr. Popularity. You know, we can't appoint people by popularity or by talent. That's a fault to do that. Promotion based on faithfulness and character, promotes strength. And how, we do, how do we value that? How do we see that? That a person is trustworthy? A couple of areas. Uh, they're faithful to small tasks uh, when there's no reward or mention about them. So it might be that, that they just fill the urn on Sundays and no one even has to ask them even. They just, they just do it. It's, it's seeing those things. Um, they accept responsibility. So whatever that could mean, they just say, well, I'll take responsibility for this or that. Another thing is they improve what they put their hand to. Now, some people love to get into, but then they annoy everyone around them. And we don't want to be that person. So, so they, they might say, well, let me, I'll have responsibility, let me. And then they're like, then they're like the commander-in-chief of that area. And it's like, don't you touch that. That's mine. Then you, you have people crying and running, to the, running out of church all upset because someone accidentally filled the bucket of water that they do. So we don't do that. But we need to promote a, according to faithfulness and character because God wants to deal with our character first and then he'll promote us into other areas. So <clears throat> the next thing about preparing ourselves Um, as preachers, as believers, is share the burden of the church. Because it's not my church, by the way. It's not mine. I don't own this. I don't have a stake in this. I'm a servant just like you are. God's brought me to this place for this season for what I do here. God's brought you to this place for this season for what you do here. 
but it's not mine. It's the Lord's. And, and when we start to have a fully, un, uh, fully realized understanding of that, you can hold things lightly. I'm not saved because I'm a pastor. I'm not saved because I'm a preacher. I'm saved because I'm a believer. And that's what we, we need to keep the focus and the, the, at the forefront of what we do. Numbers 11, verse 16 and 17, there's a story of Moses. And, and, and in, in um, chapter 10, Moses is saying to God, you might as well kill me now if you're going to make me listen to all these people. <clears throat> just, just kill me. Make it easy. Do it fast. It's amazing. He's basically saying, I don't want to do this anymore. Get me out of here. And he's thinking, the only way out is to kill me. So kill me quickly. So anyway, it goes on in, in Numbers 11. God says, okay, Moses, I'm not going to kill you. I'm not letting you out of it like that because he's so burdened by the needs of the people. And God says, no, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take the spirit that is upon you, which we can say the spirit that is upon the church is the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to put it on other men, and they're going to help carry the burden, the word says. The word burden is used. They will help carry the burden of all the people. So we need to, we need to realize that, that God wants to put a spirit on us, and we've got to carry the burden of the church and for the world for the name of Jesus Christ. There can be no fruitful ministry without bearing the burden. Preaching um, is not just about speaking for half an hour. It's a burden for people from God. That's why I preach. That's why I get passionate about it. That's why I've got, I just get excited about it. Because it's not about me preaching for half an hour to a bunch of people. It's, I have a burden from the Lord that can change people's lives. It's a burden for people from God. When there is a, a God burden that you share with your leader, you lift part of the ministry load and you carry it yourself. And we've got to desire that, that in our life. Now you might think, but I've got, I, I can't do this and I can't do that. Find what you can do. If God could get an insecure plumber and take him who, who thought, well, all I can do is drive a truck to church with chairs on it and I'll unlock the door and I'll sweep the floor and I'll stay back late and I'll pack up all the chairs and I'll take them back to where they stay. If God can take that person and, and create the kind of thing that he, he's created in my life, imagine what he could do with you. Because you're all much better than me. That's the honest truth. More talented, more brains, better connections. What's stopping you? So, you, so when you get that burden, when, when you start to get a burden from God for people, you start to see things you didn't see before. You might think, oh, I saw the golden microphone. No. <laughs> and John Laws gave it to you. Who remembers John Laws? I miss him a lot. <clears throat> so you see things you didn't see before, like the cleaning up, or the broken chair, or the hole in the wall. And that burden from God translates in you to say, well, I can't ignore that anymore. I'll be the one who straightens it. I'll be the one who fixes it. I'll be the one who will make sure that that doesn't stay broken anymore. That's carrying a burden. 
Because fixing that chair is, is so someone can sit on it. It's all about people. I just want to say we've got all our, all our um, uh, approvals in from the council to do the front veranda and all that kind of stuff. So we're just trying to get all things ready now for, for things to start. Uh, we've, we've, we've almost got things ready to do the fence, fix the fence and do the car park. But you know what? Uh, we're, we're stepping right out because we don't have the money, but I know that God is going to speak to people. And when we do up our front, it's going to speak to people. It's going to speak to Port Lincoln that, that church isn't daggy anymore. Yeah, and another, another thing that I really want to, I'm excited about, we're, we're putting that big sign up on, the, on Centenary Oval again. People might think, what do you do that for? It costs a lot of money. That's been the best advertising we've ever done. It's the best investment ever. Sharon and I went to the bank manager the other day and he, he's talking to us and then he, he says to me, oh, I loved your sign. People start to know what One Heart is and, and I, I wanna, we're going to put the sign up and, and next time it's going to say, um, Love Air Peninsula or Love EP. Then we're going we're gonna to redo our stickers and just have you know, One Heart Church and maybe on, around the outside say, love, love Port Lincoln. And then in the future we'll just put our signs up and people everywhere will just say, oh, One Heart Church, love Port Lincoln. It'll just become a natural thing and everyone will know. And people, you know, Carlos had said to me when we first put the sign up, he goes, oh, I don't know what's going on, but, but we're getting lots of hits on our website because it gets our name out there. It gets, the, it gets church cool into people's minds. Because I'll tell you what, I'm sick of church that, that has, you know, has things like stale bread for, for communion. I'm sick of church that, that, that sits on wooden hard chairs that are so uncomfortable the buildings are freezing cold and they smell horrible. And they do weird things that no one understands. I don't want to be part of a church like that. People don't want to be part of a church like that, by the way. But people, I can, I can speak for Aussies, even though I'm Italian background, I've lived in Australia, I was born in Australia, and I can speak for Australians, is Australians, whether we want to accept it or not, because I know we're all so spiritual, but they are looking for an identity to, to attach to. And the reason why people don't attach to church is because the, it, it gives an identity of we're crummy. You don't want to belong. You don't want to put your name with that crowd because everything they do is daggy. They can't, you know, you go to church sometimes, and I've been part of it. I've been on leadership in church where, where you didn't even know who, who was going to hand the mic to next. It's just disorganized. It's chaos. We, we have a run sheet, not, not to block out the Holy Spirit. He knows what he's doing, and he knows what he wants to do. It's not for him. I say, Holy Spirit, do whatever you want, when you want. It's so that, so that if I'm preaching, someone knows who's going to come up next. So we know what songs to sing. So there's no confusion for us. And the more we're organized, the more time, the more grace the Holy Spirit's given. And I'll tell you what, that's what works. And, and whether we like it or not, we can be as spiritual as we want. But if you never know what time church is going to start and you definitely don't know what time it's going to finish, pretty much you're going to lose people. They're going to fall off. They're going to say, well, I'm not going to go today because, you know, last time it felt really awkward to leave. It was 12.30 and I was really hungry and the kids had a pooey nappy, but I just wanted to go home. That's what Paulie and I live with. Church would just go on and on and on, and then someone would say, oh, I've got to hear the word. You know, I heard the word three hours ago. I want to change Josh's nappy.
<clears throat> so, God took the spirit that was on Moses and he put it on other people in the camp. And they said, when the spirit came upon them, I will carry the burden. I want to you know, shock you Pentecostals here today that the, the power of the Holy Spirit isn't so that you can speak in tongues and see visions and dream dreams. It is so that you can carry a burden from God that is going to change the world. Ushanda. So stay accountable, stay humble, and unity will be there in the church. When you get that in the church, the Holy Spirit moves freely. I've said this many times, the most Pentecostal thing you can do is be in unity in your church. And I make no, I make no apologies if you're not like that, if you don't love your pastor, if you, if you don't love people in your church, it's time to find a new church. Find somewhere else where you do love the pastor. Find somewhere else where you love the vision, where you love the direction. Because if you can't love that, you're in disunity and you're going to be a blockage, not only for your own growth, but the, the growth of others. That's a, be in that place where you, you're with other believers in unity. That's a good environment to develop preachers. One other thing, prepare yourself. Be prepared for God to use you. Don't sit around for years and years doing the same old, same old, and then go, I wonder why nothing's ever changed for me. I wonder why God never notices me. The invisible years of serving. Get that? Not the invisible years of just being invisible. The invisible years of serving, studying, being faithful in another person's ministry and doing behind-the-scenes work. During this time, the Lord is polishing, sharpening and preparing us to fit into His bow. So at the right time, a polished arrow can launch us into fruitful service. Oh, sorry, he, he can launch us into fruitful service. So when you think you're ready, you ever felt like that? I think I'm ready for ministry now. I think I'm ready. Uh, I, I'm feeling mature now. When you, when you get to that point, suddenly everything starts to go backwards. But why, is, why am I losing the ministry now? Why, the, why am I not getting my contract renewed? Why, why is this happening to me, Lord? All this hurts. I've been there. I thought, I thought twice in my life I was ready to be a senior pastor, and both times I went into reversal. I was an assistant pastor here, and I thought, God, I could be a pastor. I can do this. I can do it. I'm ready. Next thing I know, I'm, 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 I'm sweeping out pig pens. God said, you're not ready enough yet. Spend a year collecting chicken eggs. God says you're not ready yet. Spend six or seven months in a timber, timber mill. Spend another 10 years as a plumber. God says you're still not ready yet. Have a year and a half at SA Water. And then God says you're still not ready yet, but you can go to Port Lincoln. But in all those times, I always found a way to serve God. I always attached myself to a pastor and a church. I said, well, I can't, you know, I can't be everything, but I'll do what I can. When we start to get that atmosphere within a church of people serving like that, 
It, it builds the church. It grows the kingdom. It makes the world a better place. So, but anyway, you go, you go through those things when you think you're ready. But everything then starts going backwards. Basically, just see yourself in God's hands. He's putting you in the bow and he's starting to draw you back so that you can have a good launch. You can't be launched if you've never been drawn back. I know it's, it's happened twice, you know, in, in, when it comes to being a, a pastor in my life, and it's the worst place to be. And a lot of people, that's the, that's the last test, and they go, you know, they don't see God's hand. They just see the drawing back, and then they draw back, and they, they fall out of the back of the bow, and they just keep walking. Say, I've got to spend time with my family now. And start making excuses about, about why they, they don't even attend church anymore. You know, in all those seasons of my life, I never missed a Sunday. I, I, I always found some, some form of serving in the church. It's not all about, I'm just using my, my examples to try and encourage you today. Got a question about arrows. Who determines where the arrow flies? The arrow or the archer? It's a deep question. Who determines where the arrow flies? The arrow or the archer? Let God do the aiming. It's all about dying to our will. Let God do the aiming. Let God do the aiming. Changes our life plan. Let God do the aiming is not about my preference. Let God do the aiming and you find yourself in the middle of God's plan. Sounds, sounds easy, but, but we're so often saying, well, God, put me in your bow, but I'll decide where I go. We can't have that attitude. So, attributes of a preacher. I'm going to finish with this. 2 Timothy 3, verse 10. This is another loaded verse. It says, But you, Timothy, certainly know, this is Paul again preaching to Timothy or speaking to Timothy, certainly know what I teach and how I live and what my purpose in life is. You know my faith and my patience, my love and my endurance. This is a, another one of these loaded verses that is just so full. Paul is saying, I have let God do my aiming. And he says, and you can see it in my life by all those things that he's just listed. So things that others should see in us and from these qualities, our message as preachers begins. Our message as believers begins. So I'll go through them. Number one, Paul says, you know what I teach. So you've got to know what you teach. You've got to teach from the Word of God. Have sound doctrine from the Word. It's not mixed with other ideas. Once I had a, a youth guy come in, um, in, my, in the youth group I was pastoring. I said, you know, can you preach? And he, he gets up to preach. And he starts preaching, honestly, from this Buddha book. I'm just like, what on earth? He's quoting the Buddha. I'm thinking, this is not, this is not a, this is, this isn't a, a, a feel good. Let's get a lot of philosophies and throw them all together and we'll say it's preaching. You've got to preach the Word of God as a message from God, not mixed with other ideas. Number two, 
He says, you know how I live. What you teach and how you live complement each other. They don't work against each other. People will know when you, when you preach one thing, but you live another. Number three, he says, talks about his purpose. And he says, you know how I live and what my purpose in life is. What's your life mission? Now, others ought to be able to read your mission by what you sacrifice to, how you serve, and what you talk about. People should be able to easily see that. What's his life mission? What's her life mission? What do they sacrifice to? Where, where are they on Sunday? Where, do, you know, do they sacrifice for the things of God? It should be clearly evident. Number four, he says, um, people know my faith. You know my faith. That's what you really believe. What you really believe. What you believe in is lived and, and seen with practical action in your life. Number five talks about patience. It says, you know my patience. Patience is about sowing and reaping. Being committed to the mundane, but sometimes things that aren't seemingly important. It's uh, being committed to those spiritual life disciplines, like spending time with God on a regular basis, like spending, spending time with other believers on a regular basis, like finding a mentor and saying, will you teach me stuff? These, are, these can be mundane. They can seem unimportant. But Paul says, you know my patience. I've waited for the crop to come. I've put the seed in the ground and I've waited to see it grow. Now, number six, he says, you know my love. That speaks about truth with grace and caring for other people. So we can be all truth but no grace. There's no love in that. But we need to, the, the, the Bible says a lot about those who flatter their friends are actually enemies. Who say, oh, I love the way you preach. Oh, I love your shoes. Oh, I love your new hairstyle, Roberto. Mate, That can be flattery, but the difference between flattery and love is flattery then says, well, oh, I love this. Oh, I love, 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 love that. But when they say, hey, listen, you know what? They might need a, some adjustment in life. Flattery doesn't go that far. Flattery says, no, you're not my friend anymore. No, I'm not talking to you, but I'll talk to everyone about you. Number seven says your endurance. You don't give up prematurely. You've developed a sustainable life pattern that enables progress, that enables growth. So endurance is really important that we, that we don't give up prematurely. We don't give up because there was a bump in the road. We keep, we keep on and push on. So I want to pray for people today that we may have among us the right environment that produces great preachers, that produces great believers that will then produce great preachers. And I know there are people who have a call of God and a mantle of God upon their life to be preachers of the Word of God that will do great things. We've got to see beyond just the, the, our local scene and believe God for what God wants to do. Some are, some are called to stay and some will be called out to go and some will be sent uh, into all parts of the world. Maybe some will go and come back. 
and be like, you know, based in our church and go. I don't know exactly what God wants to do, but I know God wants to prepare a place that we have a fertile place that produces great preachers, that produces great ministry, that produces great men and women. So, and, and, you know, sometimes that, that means that it'll be this kind of preaching. Other times it'll be preaching that we don't see to the people who come into your world. Let's pray. I do want to pray for people and lay hands on people tonight. Who you, you know, and, and this can, you know, don't feel like, oh, that I'd be promoting myself if I went up the front. Or, oh, that could never, I could never be that. But if you feel something stirred in your heart tonight and you think, oh, I just want prayer because I know right now God is getting a hold of my life. God is getting a hold of, why don't we just stand to our feet? God is getting a hold and stirring something in me. And maybe you're not sure whether you're called to be a preacher. Maybe you're not sure whether you, you know, you, you don't know what it would look like in your life, but you're thinking, oh, I want to have something get on me. Just like God took the spirit that was on Moses and put it on those people who were in the camp, saying, well, maybe God, if, if you can get some of that spirit on me, then I want that. I'm going to invite you to come right now. Just while Jimmy plays us something and we're going to let the anointing come and we're going to just pray for people for five minutes and see God start to start something of that fire in their lives today. So if you, if you don't come forward, that's okay. You pray for the people who come forward. But I just invite you to come right now and pray with you. I'll get Pastor Pauline Pastor Kylie and some of the team, Pastor Michael, to lay hands upon you. We just pray an anointing, a transfer of the Spirit onto you today.